Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Good afternoon. How is everyone? Are you ready to go? Am I on? Yeah, here we go. Hey, uh, hello online. Uh, Follow along, have some fun. I look forward to preaching the word to you. Hey, um, if you didn't know, my name's Will. Hello. Uh, And I'm half Filipino. I'm married to Nicole. Um, I have two children. Uh, I've been a pastor since I was 21. I just turned 45 the other day. I know, it's going so quick. I've known Mike for a long time. I have a a little man crush on your pastor. (laughs) And uh, I think he's awesome. Pastor Mike and Pastor Jen, I've known them since 2010. And as soon as we met, we got on like a house on fire. And so it is an honor and a privilege to preach for you, brother. Um, Hey, I said I was half Filipino. Anyone know any Filipino? Yeah, there's a few people here. Yeah, I thought so. My mum, when she would ever want me to go um, get her shoes, she would always say, Will! Get my shoes. And she'd, mm. right? and she'd point right with her lips. Okay, some people know. All the Australians are going, that's weird. Um, that's cool. That's all right. So, you know, that's what we do. Instead of pointing, we use our lips. And when we say hello in, in Australian, you say it like this. How you going? Can you, can you say hello? How you going? How you going? In the Philippines, it's a little bit different. Until I went to the Philippines as a sort of a 19, 20-year-old, I got there and I realized how Filipino I was. Because I walked around and I started saying, hey, how are you going? And that's, that's how they do it. They go, hey, hey, hey. So tonight when I say, are you with me? I want you to give me a Filipino sort of, are you with me? And say, yeah, I'm with you, Will. Okay, so can I get some eyebrows on this side? Can I get some eyebrows on this side? You should see it from my view right now. <laughs> it's okay, you'll get warmed up. You'll get warmed up, you'll get into it. Hey, are you ready to hear the word? Okay, everyone's a little bit tired. That's okay. It's afternoon-itis when I get into it. Okay, you ready? Get your Bibles out and go to Mark chapter 3. And as you're doing that, I just want to congratulate you. You sponsor 39 children at this church. You should give yourselves a clap. 39 children. And look how many letters have been written. 32 letters. Hey, it's pretty good. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel bad. Feel good, because any, any letter that gets sent, you should see how these children receive them. It's powerful stuff, okay? So are you ready to get into Mark chapter 1? Let me read it to you. It says this. Another time, when he went into the synagogue, he, meaning Jesus, a man with a shriveled hand was there. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. But then Jesus asked, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent, and he looked around at them in anger. So it's a scripture. It's actually one of the most controversial scriptures in the Bible. When Jesus walks into a temple, into a synagogue, he comes in, and it's not unlike this, 
and there's Pharisees and Sadducees and the teachers of the law, and they see him and they see a guy in church who's not supposed to be there. It's a man with a withered hand. He's disabled. Now, if you lived in this time, in a Jewish time, in an ancient time, ancient Near Eastern time, if you had a disability, people thought that the gods with the little g had cursed you. And so often they would throw you out of the village and they would say, why don't you hang on the outskirts of the village? That place was called hell, funnily enough. And they would hang there and people that had leprosy would hang there and other people that were sick would hang there. And one of those guys is in church. And all these people are watching Jesus and I love it. They're saying, look, Jesus, he's been doing some stuff. He thinks he's someone special. Let's make sure we show him who knows what. And so Jesus is preaching and teaching, and they try and catch him in this moment because this guy's there and he wants to help him. Now let me read this to you. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath because if you worked on the Sabbath, and they said if you healed someone on the Sabbath, that would be considered work. Interesting. And then, he, then Jesus does this thing. He says to the guy with the shoeward hand, you can just imagine, oh you, come up here. And he calls the guy up onto the platform. And the guy's standing there kind of like, oh man, what am I doing up here? Not only am I not supposed to be in the, the church, but I'm not supposed to be in the village. And now I'm up in front of everyone. And then Jesus does very controversial things. He goes, let me ask you some questions. This is what he says. Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? What's the answer? Very good. I saw you lip read it. She said to do good. Of course, right? These are trick questions. Very simple. The next question is what? To do good or to evil? To save life or to kill? Which one? Save life. Save life. Right. Now, these are very basic questions. Even kids will get it, but look at their answer. But they remained silent. Interesting. And then it says this, and this is the part that I'm going to lean into this evening. It says this, he looked around at them in anger. Woo! I'm going to preach about anger tonight. A little bit different, huh? We hear lots of sermons about the love of God. There's love of God in there. But tonight we're going to be talking about a Jesus who gets angry. Okay, so the Greek word here is the word orgay. Everyone say orgay. Look to the person next to you and say, okay. okay. Nudge the other side and say, okay. Okay. Now, Aristotle talked about the anthropology of this word. This is really important. Catch this. He said it was desire mixed with grief. Desire mixed with grief. So this is kind of the meaning of the word. So when Jesus had okay, he had desire. He wanted the scene to be different. Oh, he's like, man, I... And, and he's grieved. And he's angry because there's a guy who needs to get healed and there's a bunch of people there trying to prevent it. And he has all gay about it. Now, it's also in the Eros tense, as I know you would find very exciting, as do I. <laughs> this sounds fancy, but this is really important. This isn't the kind of anger that Jesus has and he carries it from town to town, village to village, place to place. It's not. It's a temporary anger. He sees a scene. He sees a guy. 
And he's like, oh, man, why? And he's got anger, orge, desire mixed with grief. Why is this like that? Do you understand? Today I want to talk to you about a God who gets angry and a Jesus who gets angry. Now hold your place in Mark and turn to Amos chapter 5 if you've got your Bibles. I love when people bring their Bibles to church. Throughout the scriptures, you see this divine anger, otherwise known as righteous anger. And we want to spend a moment, just for a minute, and see what this anger looks like and how does it work. Because often in our attempts to articulate a God of love, we leave out a God of wrath, anger, and judgment. Which is very dangerous. If you have a God of love, then you have to have a God of anger. And I want to show you why. Are you ready? You ready? Let's get into it. Mark, uh, Amos chapter 5, uh, try and get God's tone here. Remember, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is only one person. And so Amos is preaching to his people, God's people, and God is speaking through Amos and he is angry. Let's see if you can see it. Hear it. It says this. I hate. Ooh, strong start. I despise your religious feasts. Is God angry here? I hate, despise. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring me choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never-ending, never-failing stream. This is God speaking to a bunch of religious people, and he's saying, hey, hey, stop. Can you imagine in church? Hey, stop playing the drums. Put the guitar down. I want to speak to everyone for a minute. Yeah, put the mic down. Hey, I'm, can I address you, please? How do you think this would have happened in the moment? Everyone would have gone, hey, Amos, chill out, man. This is, you know, church, man. You with me? Yeah. Let's, let's keep going. Let's go over to um, Amos 8, three books to the right. Let's see, let's see what's got God so angry. It says this, hear this, you who trample the needy. Is trampling needy a bad thing? Yes. Good. And, and do away with the poor of the land. Doing away with the poor of the land, is that a bad thing? Yes. Come on, get, get vocal. Are you ready? When will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat? Skimping the measures. Is that good or bad? Yes. Boosting the price. Bad. And cheating with dishonest scales. Buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Selling even the sweepings with the wheat. Now, with all that said, it sounds a little bit like Shakespeare. So let me just give you the paraphrase. There's a bunch of religious people and they want to make some money. And there's needy people in their midst. And guess what they want to do? They know they've got food and they know that the needy people are hungry. And so they do this thing. They're like, you know what we should do? What we should do is sweep up all the wheat, right? We'll sweep it all up and we'll bag it. 
and we'll make it really heavy, because that's the dishonest scales part, and we'll fill it right to the brim, and then we'll sell it to them, and it'll be twice the weight. And then they can eat wheat mixed with dirt, and we can make money. Now, in the old days, what they used to do with the wheat was they'd get the wheat, they'd throw it up into the air, and the wind would come, and it would grab the shaft. The shaft, the dirt would blow away, and the wheat would, would fall, and then, then they would dustpan, not the breadcrumbs like you did for me before, but they'll dustpan all the wheat, clean wheat, into bags and sell it. And Amos, well, God actually, through Amos, sees this scene, and he has orgay. Anger. He sees it and he's going, what's going on? My people are taking advantage of people. Is this full on? It's full on in the scriptures, right? Let me ask you a question. What's more full on? (laughs) What's more disturbing? A God who gets angry or a God who can see exploitation, War and not get angry. You feeling it? What's more disturbing? A God who gets angry or a God who can see sexual abuse, rape, murder, and go, ah, no worries. All good. I find it far more disturbing, friends, that God could see that stuff and just go, yeah, no worries. It's all good. He has orgay. He has desire mixed with grief. And he's looking at that scene and he's going, what is going on? Back to Mark, chapter 3, verse 1. Jesus sees this scene. He sees a guy with a withered hand. And he's got orgay and he's going, what is going on? That is wrong. It's wrong. Let me tell you a story. I used to be a pizza driver a few years ago. Okay, like 25. (laughs) 25, 26 years ago, I used to be a pizza driver. I used to work at a pizza bar at Hanson Road. Anyone know it? Back in the day, Hanson Road was the hood. It was like the Bronx of Adelaide, right? People would walk down the street at night, if you know what I'm saying, and it was crazy. I still remember one night in the car park where where I used to park the pizza cars, the, the star force would meet there before their raids. And I'd hey, boys, another raid? And then they'd go off and do their raids, right? That's, that's, the, kind of, that's the kind of vibe. Now, I worked at like, this pizza bar that was like fat pizza. It had the weirdest crew of people there. I don't know, yeah, so okay. The older generation know that one is. But, the, you know, Frank used to own the bar and he owned a Ferrari. So he used to rock up an old fella in the Ferrari, park it in a really poor suburb. And then the other Frank, he would drink too much cordial. So he was very happy at work all the time, if you know what I'm saying. He was just a very happy boss. And just mega beats. By the end of the night, he was like, no, anyway. Uh, and there was, there was motorbikes that were parked out there, and we had like Nick that had rings on all gold fingers, you know, on, you know gold finger rings that if he had a fight, that would hurt people. It was kind of that. Then there was Bubba, who was six foot five. And he was big, and he had different lifestyle choices. And Ryan, another guy, and he had different lifestyle choices too. So it was an eclectic place. And then there was me with my long sort of black hair, Filipino, you know, all the way down to here. Can you imagine it? Yeah, okay, all right. Just short bob, you know, like mum cut it with a bowl kind of thing around here. Anyway, there was me. And this one night, 
I'll make it over there. There's one night I get out and it's the last delivery and I park the pizza car and Bubba, he's there too, six foot five, hey Bubba, he parks his pizza car and pizza car and we get out and all of a sudden we look at all of our cars and they're parked on the opposite side of the movie land car park. Now as I look at all these cars, there's a peculiar thing that's going on here. Every car door is open. And I thought, that's peculiar. We all left our doors open. <laughs> right? And Bubba, he gets out and he goes, hey, Will, what's going on with the cars over there? And he had a really high-pitched voice. And I was like, I don't know. And then we look at my van. I had a beautiful 1975 Hilux roof van, lay down, bed in the back for camping. Um, and <laughs> this is pre-Christian days. And... and and there's these two Asian guys. Actually, you didn't know they were Asian, but all you could see was the legs kicking out of the front doors of my van, right? They were working quite quickly because they were under some time restraints, you know? Does everyone get it? They were robbing me, right? They were stealing stuff from my van. And, and, then, the, the two, and then they get out. And then they're looking at me, and I'm looking at Bubba, and then we're all looking at each other. It was like a John Wayne movie. Right? And we start walking towards each other. And I didn't tell my legs to do that. <laughs> and I'm walking closer and they're walking closer. And everyone's looking really tense. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Bubba just, just starts running for the dude on the right. right? Bubba's running this six foot five you know, fella, really big, big beer belly. And he, he just jumps on the guy and splats him. Right? <laughs> they're, they're having like a wrestle. And then Bubba goes, go get the other guy. Right? And I'm, once again, my legs make a decision that my mind didn't tell him to do. <laughs> And I find myself running fast. <laughs> and I'm running up to this Asian guy down the street. And, you know, I wasn't a Christian at the time, so I was yelling out some stuff. And, you know, you can imagine, I was yelling out, you know, um, you bad boy! <laughs> you know, along those lines, you know. Wait till I tell your mum on you! You're in trouble, mister! And I'm running, men. I'm talking the Filipino thunder was coming out. I was, I was at full pelt and I did athletics at school and he didn't. <laughs> clearly, clearly because I was catching him and fast. All of a sudden, um, I grabbed a dude and we have a scuffle, you know, sort of stuff, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, Bubba's in the car, he gets in the pizza car and he tears around the corner and he ah, pops the boot and says, throw him in! So I pick up this Asian guy and I throw him in a boot and shut up down. I get in the car and my, my veins are popping out of my head and I've got, oh, you know, and we're pumped. We're pumped. And you're thinking, what has this got to do with the sermon? It has a lot to do with the sermon because I got angry. I got angry. I got absolutely angry. I got so angry, I didn't even operate in my mind. I'd lost my mind. Has anyone ever lost their mind when they got angry before? Maybe we should ask your children. Okay, right. You know, you know, I lost my mind. And you know what happens when you get angry? There's an amazing amount of adrenaline in you. Adrenaline and stimulus. And you can leap tall buildings in a single bound. And you say things and you do things that aren't necessarily helpful. Now, those guys went to jail for five to ten years. They got caught with a whole van full of stuff, right? So it turned out okay, but I could have got into a lot of trouble. 
if the Filipino thunder didn't come out. You know what I mean? And so it was crazy. But let me ask you some questions. Now that we're getting warmed up, now that you're starting to go, yeah, okay. So have you ever gotten angry and you said something and you thought, oh, dear God, shouldn't have said that. Hands up, hands up. Have you ever said something that you wish you Oh, honesty. I like that. Okay, have you, ever, have you ever gotten angry and you broke something? Oh, come on now. Everyone's done it. I still remember my sisters were teasing me as a kid, and I used to do karate as a kid, and uh, I got so angry I punched the front door, and my hand went through the door, right? And I remember pulling it back in just thinking, amazing and then I looked through the hole in the door that I just made and my mum was on the other side <laughs> and she was angry right <laughs> you know what I mean we get angry and we break things okay let me just get really real now have you gotten so angry that you made someone cry okay I'm, I'm easy I'm like yeah yeah you know what I mean you know what happens when we get angry and we lose our minds. We say all sorts of crazy things. So my question to you right now is this. Let's go back to Mark chapter 3, verse 1. When Jesus got angry, what, the, what was the result of his anger? What was the outcome to his anger? What did Jesus do with his orgay? Are you ready? Let's turn back. Remember the scene? We're back into the church. We're back into the synagogue. There's Pharisees there and Sadducees and everyone, who used to, the Jewish followers are there and there's a guy with a withered hand standing next to Jesus and Jesus looked around at them in anger while the guy's standing here and deeply disheartened, distressed at their stubborn hearts said to the man, stretch out your hand. Can you imagine being this guy? I imagine, maybe he didn't know Jesus, right? He would just walk, ha! Yeah, sure, right? He could have laughed. Or maybe he heard whispers about a Messiah. And he'd heard little whisperings. In a highly communal society, maybe word had got around that Jesus had done some stuff. And this was one of those moments when you're like, wow, I think, I think he is who he is. And maybe... If I stretch out my hand, he's going to heal me. Now, whatever way it is, it's a spectacular moment, right? So Jesus says, well, stretch out your hand. And then he can imagine him with his withered hand. Let's just make a withered hand. Would have gone, ah, okay. And then he he actually goes for it. And he does this thing. And as soon as he stretches out his arm, he's healed. Can you imagine the moment? It's beautiful. <laughs> right? He has this moment. Let me just show you what's going on here. So this is the gospel. Jesus gets so angry, desire mixed with grief, that he makes the guy with the withered hand feel better. Jesus gets so angry, desire mixed with grief. What is going on here? That he restores a guy with a withered hand. Jesus gets so angry that he makes his life 
transform. Thank you. Are you catching this? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? This is Jesus, right? He's the upside down king. Jesus gets so angry and all of a sudden everyone's starting to feel better. Can you imagine the room? The Sadducees and that going, oh, he's worked on the Sabbath. They didn't even see it. They didn't even hear it. This guy all of a sudden who lived on the outskirts of the village goes back to his home, gets to hug his wife again, gets to hold her, gets to hold his kids, gets the job again. And all of a sudden he's making money. His life is flourishing. It's spectacular. This is who we serve. And if you don't know Jesus, this is, this is who he is. He's so loving that even when he's angry, people feel better. Let me ask you a question. When you get angry, do, do people feel better? Yeah? Yeah? When you're home and you're angry, you increase the peace in the home. Oh, life is so good when my, my husband's angry. He's so angry, we're rejoicing and, and playing and, and the music's singing. And, do you know what I mean? Or do we decrease the peace in the home? Yeah, that's the truth. We get so angry that we make people feel terrible. Let me switch. I was a youth pastor for, I don't know how long, 21 to, know, for a long time, right? And all the time, young people would come to me and say, well, help me find my vocation in life. Which way am I going? Where am I going? Help me, help me. I, I don't know what I'm, what I'm doing. I, I'd always ask them the same stuff. What do you love? What do you love? What are you good at? What are your gifts? And they would say, man, I, I love to dance. And I'd go, well, maybe you're a dancer. You know? Well, I love to sing. Maybe you're a singer. I love maths. And I said, achoo! You know what I mean? Like, bless you, because I don't like maths. I'm terrible at maths, but maybe you're a maths teacher. Maybe you're an engineer. Whatever that, you know what I'm saying? And you're trying to align them with what God is calling them into. But maybe there's another question that we could use tonight when we look at churches and we look at individuals or where they're going or what they need to focus on. What's your vocation? What's your mission? Maybe the question is, what makes you angry? Wait for it. What makes you angry? What is it that when you see it, you go, man, I have all gay about that thing. I have all gay about that statistic. That thing just gets me rattled. Every time I hear it or see it, I just think someone's got to do something about that. Maybe you're like Isaiah in heaven and God's going, you're the only person here, Isaiah. Oh, well, send me, Lord. Right? Are you with me? Let, let me, let me try something with this. Let's bring up some some stats here. One in three people globally lack access to safe drinking water. Does that make you a little bit angry? If you're indifferent, maybe you should ask the question, why doesn't that affect me? Next one. 356 million children currently live in extreme poverty around the globe. Does that make you angry? Maybe you have children and you think, man, that is a big number. How many Australians are in there? Can I, can I encourage you for a minute though? You know that the children that you sponsor, this number, 
20 years ago. Remember the Millennium Goals? All those old guys here, they go, oh, yeah, we know that one. Brent, you know what I'm talking about. Millennium Goals, right? We're older. And, and you know, back then, they, it was 800 million, that number. Look at it. It's on the decrease. Hallelujah, right? Do you know why? Because God's church is getting angry about the things that matter, and they're not getting angry about the things that don't. Catch that. And we got to get angry about the things that matter and not get angry about the things that don't. You know, when you're at the lights and that person doesn't move straight away? <laughs> There's a few people like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. And we, what do we do? Beep, beep, beep. Oh, sorry. Just go, go, go. Hurry up, you know? We get angry. We go, to, we go out for dinner and the service is just too slow. And we're thinking, what's up with the service tonight? Man. So slow. <laughs> right? We get angry about the things that don't matter. Until you've helped someone, you know, reconsider their vows because of whatever's going on in their marriage. And this is what we need, guys. We need a perspective. Because the people that I know who are really engaged with a hurting world, they can call out the petty, small, and insignificant things and go, ah, no worries. Ah, does not bother me, man? If that bothers you, dude, have you seen the stats? Look at the next stat. 129 million girls are out of school globally. Just the girls right now? In, it's 89 million for the guys in high school. They need the boys when they're older, right? Because they need the boys to work so they can get food on the table. Look at this next stat. 340... Five million people have not eaten today due to food insecurity. I bought two cheap steaks at the groceries the other day. Five bucks each, and I was like, I'll just throw them in too. Most kids in the developing world don't get meat. I met these Filipino kids once. They were 13 and 14, and they looked like seven and eight-year-olds because they didn't get protein. They were just smaller than normal. People go, that's because they're Filipinos. I'm like, no, man. It's because there's no nutrition there. And that made me angry. Look at this last one. This one gets me going, man. 50 million people globally are trapped in modern-day slavery. This, this sermon's supposed to, like, disturb you. It's supposed to be that desire mixed with grief. You should be feeling it now. Going, man, that is wrong. 12 million of them are children. 12 million. Have you seen that Sound of Freedom songs? No, Sound of Freedom? You know the, you know the, have you seen that? Oh, man, killed me. Oh, man, this lady, I watched the movie and then I walked out and someone was wanting to record and do an interview. And I was like, <laughs> I got I just had to walk off. And it was just cut. We get angry about the things that don't matter and we don't get angry about the things that matter to God. And that's the truth. And we need Christians to really show the world the beautiful, the beautiful anger of God. That's what I call it. We need to get beautifully angry. You know, throughout the scriptures, you'll see people getting beautifully angry. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 is walking around and he's preaching the good news of God. 
And all of a sudden, there's a bunch of guys following up behind him. And, and, and he says to everyone that Paul leads to Jesus, he says, oh, hang on a second. Just before, hang on a second. You need to go down to the clinic and you need to get a circumcision. And Paul overhears it, and he gets so angry, and he says this. He goes, I wish you'd go and emasculate yourself. Easy, Paul. Right? He's saying, I wish you'd go and circumcise yourself. Because he's righteously angry about them trying to make it, not about grace and love, but by about works. And you have to do this and do this and go down to the clinic, and then you're in. And he gets angry. In history, I love it, Mother Teresa she got this. She got righteously angry. She saw the poor and went, man, someone's got to do something about that. And then she did, dedicated her whole life to it. I love Billy Graham. I'm an evangelist, right? So I love leading people to Jesus. <laughs> Billy Graham, I reckon he would have got some righteous anger going on saying, there's too many people that don't know the love of God. And then he went into the stadiums and he just preached the love of God. And all of a sudden, Thousands are hearing about his love and coming to Jesus. Are you with me? Yeah. 70 years ago, a guy called Everett Swanson, he's the guy who started this whole thing, compassion. He flies over to, to South Korea. Good timing. He flies over to South Korea. And uh, he's ministering to people, and people are coming to Jesus, and people are being moved by the gospel, and, he, and he's preaching, and all of a sudden, they're coming to faith, right? And then they say, hey, 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 this has been awesome. Can we take you through the ruins of the city and just show you some of the chaos that's been going on here? And he gets a tour through South Korea, and as he's walking around, he sees a bunch of soldiers over in the corner. And as he gets closer, he's like, what are all those soldiers doing? Picking up stuff, putting it in the back of the wagon. And he, as he gets closer, he sees that they're all crying. Some of them are distraught. So he walks up closer. And he looks at what they're picking up, what these soldiers are picking up, are frozen bodies of children, right? And they're picking them up, put them in the back of the wagon because their parents probably died during the war and no one would look after them anymore. And all of a sudden, imagine seeing that. Everett saw that and went, whoa, dude, got rocked. Desire mixed with grief. That's what it feels like to get angry righteously. To see that, get affected. All of a sudden, he gets on a plane, and the whole time he's flying back to the, uh, to the States, he hears the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's so sneaky, man. Holy Spirit's going, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it, Everett? And the whole way home, he hears the whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, what are you he gets off the plane, goes to see his best friend. He goes, man, I, got this, I saw this thing. And then oh, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me. And then the guy hears him and says, come on, Everett. Goes to the drawer, pulls out a thousand bucks in 1952, which is big bucks back then. Right? Gives it to Everett and says, you do something about it, Everett. That year, 45 children were sponsored. Why? Because God moved him. The, the people that weren't moved, he would, they have hardened hearts. When you have a soft heart to God, he can move you. He can whisper really quietly in your ear and you'll go, I hear you, God. I'll speak to that person. I'll help that family. I want to pray for that country. 
I want to to serve on that team. I want to join that church. Fast forward to 2023. 2.3 million children sponsored. All because someone got rocked, had some orgay. Now, I don't know where you are tonight, but I'm preaching into some anger. And I reckon there's people here that are getting angry about the wrong stuff. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I mean, I've been there. Maybe you need to see a counsellor. Maybe you need to, like, whoever your, your two or three are, you know, your Peter, James, and John. Maybe you need to speak to them and say, I've got some anger issues. I, I, don't, I, I fly off the handle too quickly. I raise my voice. I'm shouting at the kids. I'm talking to my husband or wife in, in with a bad tone. I'm, I'm acting all sort of condescending. You know what I mean? It's all good. But God wants to turn that around today. And he wants to take that and he wants you, he wants to transform it into his kind of anger, righteous anger, that he can use, that he can partner with. Now there's another bunch of people here that are are hearing the mission of God, the global mission. And they're going, man, I want to get into that. Well, if you do, you have an opportunity tonight, right? It's just simple. For eleven seventy a week, less than Netflix, for $48 a month, you can sponsor a child. And friends, it's not like you're going to look after some poor kid somewhere. You're going to change the life of a young person. Absolutely. The trajectory for that young person at the moment is towards those statistics. Death, poverty, Hunger, frustration, nowhere, no dreaming. To the other way. Where they get discipled, where they join a church, where they get food, water, dentist, doctor, schooling. Do you hear the difference? It's not a little bit. The lever is huge. And then there's a third group here. There's a, that's a two responses. The third one's this. There's some here that have been awoken in mission. Some of you are Christians and you go, man, I need to get busy. I need to keep my eyes on the global mission because I'm not focusing down here. And then there's some here that are just distant from God. It's time for you to say, God, if that's how you get angry, wow, I want to come close. And God's saying to you today, I love you. I love you, I love you, I've been chasing you, I've been chasing you, I want you, I've been trying to speak to you for so long, you've been ignoring me. But I want you, I want you in my life, I need you in my life, would you stop running today and just receive my love? And if that's you, you know who you are. Some just do this, just, all right, I'll receive it. Which one are you? Is it the anger problem? Is it the sponsoring a child thing, change the life of someone? Or is it give your life to Jesus today and say, I surrender? Would you close your eyes? Whatever your head bowed and every eye closed, I want to encourage you to think, what is the Spirit of God doing inside of me right now? Which of the three responses? It's a bit complicated tonight. But if you're the first one, let me pray for you. Lord God. For the people with those anger issues, God, would you speak hope and life and transformation into them? Would they 
would they disclose to someone that they have an anger issues? And Lord, would you forgive all of us that as we've raised voices, spoken too sharply, really just let it rip on people? God, would you forgive us? If you've got a moment in your head, give it to God. Say, God, I'm sorry. Second one. If you're here and you go, man, I want to sponsor a child, come see me at the, the thing afterwards and let's, and let's chat. If, you, if you're here and you've got a business, you want to do something massive, talk to Mike and I. And then lastly, with every eye closed, every head bowed, who's the one that's far from God? Who's the one's hearing him say, hey, let me hold you. I got you. I love you. That's you. On a count of three, just raise your hand. Are you ready? One, two, three, raise your hand. If you're distant from God and you're following Jesus, this one's for you. Are you ready? If you're distant from God, raise your hand. One, two, three, raise your hand. Father God, I praise you. Lord, would you help us to not get angry about the things that don't matter and actually get angry about the things that matter to you. Help us to focus on the man with the withered hand, not with the people who are judgmental. Help us to focus our energy on you. And as we focus on you, you're going you're gonna to help us to look out into the global mission, into the local, into the regional, into the country, and into the other countries. Lord, would you do something with us tonight, would you awaken a missional heart? Lord, some of the people here need to get sent overseas. Other people need to start giving to start actually changing their statistics. And there's others here who are just hungry for you, Lord. I pray that they would surrender. Lord, we love you. We trust you and we want to trust you more. Would you speak to us as we continue to sing and respond? And allow this sermon to, to dwell in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's continue to sing. Please stand.